My favorite thing to do when I'm commuting or waiting on a long line is hop onto June's journey and escape into a game filled with compelling stories, strong female characters, and a true crime mystery I want to help solve. The game lets you step into the role of June Parker as she tries to figure out who killed her sister. By playing the Hidden Object Mystery mobile game, you put your detective skills to the test. You find clues, play mind-teasing puzzles, and dive into the roaring 1920s. I'm on chapter four and still trying to figure out how these clues will help me crack the case of who did it and why, but I can't do it alone. June needs your help, detective. Download June's Journey for free today on iOS and Android. The Angie's List you know and trust is now Angie, and we're so much more than just a list. We still connect you with top local pros and show you ratings and reviews, but now we also let you compare upfront prices on hundreds of projects and book a service instantly. We can even handle the rest of your project from start to finish. So remember, Angie's List is now Angie, and we're here to get your job done right. Get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I, or download the app today. She was a feisty divorcee. To men of the town, she was very charming, very beautiful, just would tell you what you wanted to hear. He was a sheriff's deputy and a good old boy through and through. Funny sometimes, quiet sometimes, just an all-around country boy. It seemed the couple was meant to be. Until one September afternoon brings their romance to a hellish end. There was a pool of blood. I didn't know if he was still alive. She was hysterical, screaming. As detectives investigate the death of one of their own, a dangerous pattern emerges. And he said, well, I had to take guns from her several times. He continued to add to his story, depending on who he was talking to. He was inconsistent. I was blown away. I didn't really know what to think. But just when detectives think the case is closed, a killer strikes again. This was a very violent murder and something that murderer did with his own hands. Who would do something to this elderly man like this? I can't wrap my head around it. Who else would do that with somebody who's nothing but pure evil? Nestled in the center of Columbia County, McNeil, Arkansas is about as small town as you can get. If you get into any kind of mischief, people will know about it and know about it quickly. For Josh Bolton and his family, roots run deep. When people hear the name Bolton, uh, they mainly think of law enforcement. There were three of us. My father was the first, Terry Bolton, and then my uncle Larry was the second, and then I chose to uh, pursue the field and have a career in law enforcement as well. On September 15th, 1998, Josh is a 22-year-old police cadet at the local police department. I just happened to be in the dispatcher's room talking to the dispatcher, and the phone rang, 911 phone rang. The woman on the other end of the line is frantic. I could hear the dispatcher say, Nina, you need to calm down. You need to calm down. 
Josh Bolton recognizes the caller as his aunt, 43-year-old Nina Bolton. She was very frantic, in fact. And uh, the dispatcher had to tell her you know, numerous times, hey, just calm down, tell me what's going on, tell me what's happened. And that's when the dispatcher looks at me and says, Nina shot Larry. After a couple of seconds, I realized that she was talking about my uncle Larry. I was blown away. I didn't really know what to think. And then I hollered at the chief down the hall and uh, told him what was going on. First responders and law enforcement rush to the couple's trailer. Among them is Artie Talley, the local fire chief and a close friend of 48-year-old Larry Bolton. Inside, he finds Nina, her 18-year-old son, Robbie, and Larry. Larry was laying on the floor in a pool of blood facing down the hall. And Nina, she was trying to do CPR on him. The information I had being relayed from the dispatcher, I didn't know if he was uh, still alive, if he was going to the hospital, what was going on at that time. Born in 1950, Larry Bolton grew up in rural Columbia County, Arkansas. And boys of happy family. We were raised in a church, chores and church, and hunting and fishing was basically our life. He had the same aspirations as everybody growing up in those days. You know, get married, have a family, get a job. In 1968, Larry married his high school sweetheart, Mary Sue. The newlyweds relocated to Houston and welcomed a son, Scotty, followed by a daughter, Lori. Larry was a very hard worker. He always worked. He, he was uh, just a well, you know, good provider, a wonderful husband, and a wonderful father. Larry and I moved around a lot trying to make ends meet, but we did move back to Arkansas. Back in his home state, Larry followed in his brother's footsteps and began a career in law enforcement. He worked in the jail for a couple of years and then got promoted to deputy, and he was a deputy sheriff. But after 18 years of marriage and raising a family, the spark between Mary Sue and Larry was gone. Larry and I divorced in 1986. After a while, it seemed that we just kind of grew apart and we agreed to separate. The divorce was pretty hard because I was, you know, so used to Larry being my world. Nearly a decade after his divorce, in the early 90s, Larry started dating a woman named Nina McWilliams. Like the Boltons, Nina's family was well-known in McNeil. She was in the Ward family from McNeil. Her grandfather was the mayor of McNeil. When Nina was a child, she was the apple of her grandfather's eye. Ralph loved Nina more than anything in this world. She never wanted for anything. 
By the time Nina reached her teenage years, her grandfather wasn't the only man in McNeil who thought Nina was special. The one thing that stood out about Nina was uh, her jet black hair. Nina knew how to get men on the hook early, and she used her sexuality to do that. At 21, Nina caught the eye of 36-year-old Roger McCallie, and the two married in 1977. Their first child, Alan, was born soon after, and in 1980, they welcomed their second child, Robbie. But five years later, the couple called it quits. My parents divorced in 85. I don't have many memories of my father at that age. The divorce set up a pattern that would continue throughout Nina's life. Nina was married a multitude of times. My mother's relationships were pretty sporadic. There was just men around all the time. Nina Bolton would marry to get supported so that she wouldn't have to work. When Nina was in between men, she relied on her grandfather's continued devotion to keep a roof over her head. She never worked. Nina always lived in Ralph Ward's rental properties. He knew my mom's struggles all her life, from her marital problems to just general life problems. He was always a life coach for me, and a lot of times for her. But when Nina met down-to-earth and gentle Larry Bolton, she felt she'd finally found a man to settle down with for good. Larry came from a good Christian family, and he was a Southern gentleman. Nina and Larry had a whirlwind romance, and in 1992, they married. Out of all the men that she was married to or brought into our life, Larry Bolton was the best when it came to being a father figure, someone who stood tall, strong. However, when Robbie hit his teenage years, he and his lawman stepfather didn't always see eye to eye. Larry tried to keep a firm hand on me because McNeil crowd of people was not the greatest kids in the world at that time. We were pretty rough. In 1993, at 43 years old, Larry retired from the sheriff's department. Nina used her connections with the mayor to help Larry secure a new position with the city. He was working for the water system in McNeil, so he would have been working for her grandfather. About a year later, Nina suffered a fall at a grocery store that left her temporarily bedridden. She had failed over some fruit juice or something that was on the floor, and she won a settlement. She did receive a $200,000 settlement. She was pretty well off that time, so everything was getting better. Nina had stability, both financially and romantically. But just as everything was coming together, it would soon fall apart on the afternoon of September 15, 1998. Following a desperate 911 call from Nina, first responders find Larry Bolton with a single gunshot wound to the head. His head was down the hall. His feet was in the living room. His head was in a pool of blood. First responders take over, but are unable to save Larry. He didn't have a pulse. He was gone. 
it just hits you hard. It just like somebody hits you with the sledgehammer. And you know, it's like, I can't believe this is happening. I was still trying to process what was going on. Why? Why did it happen? Coming up. Details emerge about Larry Bolton's final moments. Robbie heard his mother's voice and heard them arguing, supposedly Larry asking for money. But could a mother's love be a shield for the real killer? He was in trouble and Larry was a law enforcement type person. He was running with the wrong people. He was glad that the son of a bitch was dead. I was under suspicion. People believed that I shot and killed Larry Bolton. September 15, 1998. Investigators in McNeil, Arkansas are on high alert as they race to the crime scene where one of their own, 48-year-old Larry Bolton, has been shot and killed. I got notified that uh, we were needed in McNeil, that uh, there had been a uh, homicide, and uh, they needed our assistance. When investigator Glenn Sly arrives, he finds Larry's wife, Nina Bolton, in hysterics as her 18-year-old son, Robbie, tries to comfort her. At that point in time, she was hysterical. I remember Nina screaming. Nina is so frenzied that first responders feel she needs immediate medical attention. She was transported to the hospital to uh, help calm her down and, and to have her checked out. With Nina on her way to the hospital in nearby Magnolia, Arkansas, investigator Sly makes an initial survey of the crime scene. There was a pool of blood and some towels up underneath his head. Uh, there was one hole in his right temple, and there was a uh, Diet Coke can that had been overturned. We did find prescription pills around his body as well. He was shot in the back of the head behind his right ear. He was just laying there in the hallway like he was asleep. Aside from Larry's body, there is only one other thing about the scene that catches the investigator's attention. There was quite a list of uh, medications that were found during the crime scene search, and one empty prescription bottle of Prozac about where Larry was found. So that was uh, kind of unusual. Before Investigator Sly can proceed, a responding officer approaches him and reports that when he arrived on the scene, Robbie handed over a gun. He'd been given a revolver, 22 revolver from uh, uh, Robbie. According to Robbie, that gun had been the weapon used to kill his stepfather. Robbie had given them a, a weapon that said this is the gun that he had taken from his mother that she had used to shoot Larry. Investigator Sly quickly pulls Robbie aside for questioning. I asked him to tell me what had happened, and uh, he told me a, a story uh, that he would 
been asleep in the back bedroom, heard something, and he got up. Robbie claims he emerged from his room and found Nina and Larry arguing in the doorway of their bedroom. I remember hearing some holler, and I journeyed up the hallway, and I seen Larry leaned up against the wall. He had on a blue shirt. He overheard his mother say, I'll give you some more money. I'll write you another check. Uh, just don't hit me. Just don't hit me. And he looked over his shoulder at me. And I heard something outside, and I walked to the door. And when I got to the door, I heard a gunshot. He said Larry staggered for a moment before falling into uh, uh, the hallway where we found him. I did not see her actually shoot Larry. What I did see as I walked by, though, he threw his hand up. I don't know if he was pointing at her or what he was doing. I really can't remember much after that because it's like it's all a blur. Everything slowed way down. Robbie says that Nina called 911 and gave him the gun. Artie Talley, I believe, was the first one on the scene. And he was asking me where the gun was. And I went and got the gun and gave it to Artie Talley. Up until now, investigators have been working on the theory that Larry died in some sort of domestic altercation with his wife. But as investigator Sly begins to interview Robbie, he is struck by the 18-year-old's demeanor. I tried to just get preliminary information from him. He did not seem overly distraught. He did not seem upset. Then Robbie makes a comment that takes the investigators aback. Rob said that he was glad that the son of a bitch was dead. I told him, look, dude, you need to chill out and don't be saying that. Though investigators think Robbie's comment could just be hot air, they ask him to submit to a gunshot residue test. We would test the palms of the hands, the fingers, then we test the back side of the hand and, and on up the arm. While officers conduct the test, Investigators speak with Larry's friends and former law enforcement colleagues who have gathered at the scene and learn it's no secret that Robbie and Larry didn't get along. He was in trouble and Larry was a law enforcement type person. He was running with the wrong people and doing things he shouldn't and Larry would try to correct him and Nina wouldn't like it. I had gotten in trouble in high school and Larry had grounded me. He took away television, radio, electronics, things of that nature. Nina would give them back to me, just in spite of him. Most of the arguments between Larry and Nina were about Robbie and about money and him living there with them and him always being in trouble and just not doing the things that he should do as an adult. I didn't respect Larry at that point because my mother told me that I did not have to respect Larry Bolton because Larry Bolton was only my stepfather. Investigators learned that tensions in the household had grown so strong that three months earlier, Larry left. In Larry's goodbye letter to Nina, he told her that he was going to take $750 out of the joint account so that he could start over, and he was going to take the truck and the camper, but that's all that he wanted. 
It had been gone approximately three months. During that time, he made no contact with her. Uh, she did not know where he was. Now, investigators need to find out what brought Larry back to McNeil and back to Nina. We know we have a homicide. We've only got three people in the residence. So you know it's one of two that's left alive that killed the victim. The information that we're getting at the time was that he had been shot by Nina. At the time, we weren't sure if maybe she wasn't covering for her son. Robbie. But is Robbie telling the truth or covering his tracks? Robbie continued to add to his story, uh, depending on who he was talking to. He was inconsistent. Coming up, detectives learn Nina's side of the story. Larry Bolton was threatening Nina. He was angry with her and started pouring pills down her throat. His words were, brother, I just got tired of sleeping with one eye open. Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Bite Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Bite.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Bite. If I asked you how many subscriptions you have, would you be able to list all of them and how much you're paying? If you would have asked me this question before I started using Rocket Money, I would have said yes, but let me tell you, I would have been so wrong. I can't believe how many I had and all the money I was wasting. Rocket Money is a personal finance app that finds and cancels your unwanted subscriptions, monitors your spending, and helps lower your bills. Rocket Money has over 5 million users and has helped save its members an average of $720 a year with over 500 million in canceled subscriptions. Stop wasting money on things you don't use. Cancel your unwanted subscriptions by going to rocketmoney.com slash Wondery. That's rocketmoney.com slash Wondery. Rocketmoney.com slash Wondery. Investigators in McNeil, Arkansas, aren't sure what to believe about the shooting death of former sheriff's deputy, Larry Bolton. Robbie was not Larry's son. He was his stepson. And his mother might be taking uh, the blame for our son uh, to protect them. And we had to at least consider that, uh, either prove it or uh, remove that from the possibilities. While they await the results of Robbie's gunshot residue test, investigators visit Magnolia Hospital to check on Nina. She'd go in and out of hysterics there at the hospital. While Nina isn't able to talk, her nurses are. Nina had been sedated at the hospital. She would ask about Larry, and they would remind her that he was deceased. And she would start hollering, oh no, oh no, not Larry. 
According to the nurses, Nina had given them a play-by-play -play of what happened just before Larry was killed. Nina said that Larry showed up at the trailer that afternoon, demanding she give him his fair share of her six-figure personal injury settlement. Nina had had a settlement from a fall at a grocer. Supposedly, Larry was uh, demanding some funds from that. Larry Bolton was threatening Nina Bolton, physical harm, over writing another check. Nina told nurses she eventually relented, writing Larry a check for $500. According to Nina, Larry flew into a rage when he saw the amount. She said that she was hit by Larry, struck by him. Nina told her nurses after Larry attacked her, he found another way to torture her. He was angry with her and started pouring pills down her throat. Nina responded that uh, she'd write him another check if he wouldn't hit her anymore. According to Nina, Larry then told her he was going to the kitchen to get a knife. But as he left their bedroom, Nina reached for her revolver. I heard a gunshot, and I ran back to my room. And that's when she had shot Larry. Nina's statements seemed to confirm at least some of the details her son told police the day before. But one element of Nina's account isn't adding up. We paid close attention to her face and her arms. There was really not any evidence on her face or neck and head uh, of being injured at all. Not only that, Nina's doctors tell detectives they found no traces of medication in Nina's stomach. The only pills that were in her stomach were mild sedatives that were given to her by the Magnolia Hospital staff to calm her down after the incident. Armed with contradictory evidence, detectives work to find out if there is any truth to Nina's account. Those who knew Larry have a hard time believing he would ever raise a hand to Nina or to anyone. This being violent against a woman was against Larry's nature, his character. Larry never was physical with me. During the whole time that we were married, he was very respectful. He never raised a hand to me. When investigators speak with Larry's brother, Terry, they are surprised to learn that when Larry left Nina three months prior to the murder, it was not due to tension over her son, Robbie, but rather Larry's fear of Nina. His words were, brother, I just got tired of sleeping with one eye open and I had to get out of there. And I said, what do you mean? And he said, well, uh, she was mentally unstable and I had to take guns from her several times. Terry also alleges this isn't the first time Nina's made unproven claims about being assaulted. In 1993, Nina called the police on one of Larry's fellow sheriff's deputies. She made a claim against another deputy sheriff that he had come to her house while Larry was working and in some way assaulted her. After the state police finished their investigation, I called Larry and Nina 
into my office and made them aware that the investigation was complete and it was unfounded. And at that moment, she jumped up out of the chair and ran downstairs across the street to Larry's car. And she pulled a revolver out of his car and started back across the street. He caught her in the middle of the street and took the gun away from her, put her in the car, and they left. It was pretty obvious to me her intentions were to bring that gun in my office and shoot me. Terry says Nina's behavior ultimately led Larry to resign from the sheriff's department. Larry loved working for the Columbia County Sheriff's Office. He loved helping people. Terry tells police that by the summer of 1998, Larry had enough. He left Nina and went to Texas, keeping his location hidden from her. She was finally advised by counsel, I believe it was, that in order to find out where he was, she would have to file for a divorce. Terry says Nina did just that. And on September 15th, Larry returned to McNeil, ready to sign the divorce papers and collect the rest of his belongings. He told me that he was coming back to town and he had a payroll check that he needed to pick up from the water department. And that Nina had told him that she had all of his stuff packed up waiting for him. My advice was that he not go to that house unless he called the sheriff's department and got a deputy to go with him. And he said, I'll be okay. The more they learn about Nina, the more investigators feel she might just be capable of murder. As investigators begin to put the pieces together, they receive a message from the crime lab. The gunshot residue uh, test that we did on Robbie was negative. We were able to rule him out. With Robbie eliminated as a suspect, the investigation points directly to Nina as the shooter, and detectives are not buying her claims of self-defense. I think the moment of realization finally came to her, and she realized he wasn't coming back, and that's when she snapped. Just over 24 hours after Larry was murdered, Nina is released from the hospital and placed under arrest. I just couldn't fathom. I, I couldn't understand that. Nina shot my uncle, and to this day, I still don't understand that. Coming up, Nina's family comes to her defense. Everybody visited her because everybody believed the story that Nina had told about what happened. And just as one case closes, another horrifying murder shakes the town of McNeil. He had blood all over his face, all over his hands. It was very aggressive. They made sure he was dead. In September 1999, one year since the murder of Larry Bolton, his estranged wife, Nina Bolton, stands before a judge facing first-degree murder charges. She claimed self-defense. He was shot in the back of the head. 
I don't consider that self-defense. I consider that an execution. But as her trial gets underway, with the threat of life in prison looming, Nina has a sudden change of heart. She changed her mind and pled guilty to a lesser sentence. Nina pleads guilty to second-degree murder and is sentenced to 20 years in prison. Despite her conviction, Nina's family stands behind her. The family all stuck by her and visited her in prison. They visited her over the telephone, letters. Even the mayor of McNeil, Nina's grandfather, Ralph Ward, does whatever he can to help his granddaughter. Ralph Ward strongly defended her and the public. Ralph Ward was stepping in and getting her a new attorney for an appeal. Ralph Ward was basically bankrolling her being in prison. Then, in September 2004, after five years behind bars, 49-year-old Nina's prayers are answered. She made parole her first parole board meeting. So she was processed out pretty quick. We picked her up and brought her back to McNeil. She lived on Ralph Ward's property in a mobile home. Ralph Ward is living a couple blocks away in his own residence. Ralph was 83 years old, and he just took care of her, paid her bills. For nearly two years, Nina sticks to her routine. That is, until the evening of June 15, 2006, when a relative of Ralph Ward shows up at his home just after 10 p.m. One of the family members went over there. The door was cracked open. She walked in and saw him sitting in the chair with blood all over him and just turned around and walked out and called the police. Within minutes, investigators and first responders arrive to find that the man who served McNeil as mayor for 38 years is dead. He had blood all over his face, all over his hand. He'd been stabbed four times in the chest. It was very aggressive. They made sure he was dead. This was a very violent murder and something that murderer did with his own hands. An ashtray was taken to bludgeon Ralph Ward and then he was stabbed multiple times. Detectives easily rule out robbery as the motive. We're checking the body out. We find that he's still got jewelry on. He's got his billfold. He's got a $100 bill in it. With the way he had been beaten on the head and the face, plus the stab marked in his chest, it was obvious this person or persons wanted Ralph Ward dead. Who would do something to this elderly man like this? Detectives aren't the only ones who want answers. Outside of the mayor's home, a crowd has formed. It's like someone that everyone in the community knew. Uh, and so it drew quite a crowd. Among them is Ralph's granddaughter, Nina Bolton. She tells investigators that she'd been with Ralph just hours earlier. Nina Bolton had carried him to get some ice cream in Waldo, brought him home, and she said she saw him walk in the door, and then she went home. 
As day breaks, news of Ralph's death begins to spread. Everybody in McNeil knew Mr. Ward, and they were all concerned, you know, who would want to do this to him. With all of McNeil determined to find out who killed their beloved mayor, within just 24 hours of the murder, detectives get a solid lead. Sheriff's office got a call from a female stating that the night of the murder, she overheard three people talking about the murder. The caller gives the names of two local women, 19-year-olds Natalie Hutchison and Emily Vaughn. Detectives immediately bring them in for questioning. Initially, both deny knowing anything about Ralph's murder, but under pressure, they begin to waver, starting with Emily. I think I brought up, well, you know, you could probably be charged with something to do with this murder. That's when she said, okay, I won't tell the truth. Emily admits that on the night of the murder, they received an unusual call from their friend, a man named Moochie Smith. Moochie wanted them to get rid of the clothes he had on. Well, they went and picked him up, which at that time, he told them that he had killed Mr. Ward. Local investigators are familiar with the name Moochie Smith. Shantae Smith, better known as Moochie, was a small town criminal. Both Emily and Natalie disclosed the location where they dumped the clothes. They carried the bag of clothes out on one of the county roads by Lake Columbia. They rode with us out to where they threw the bag of clothes out. We picked the clothes up, picked the shoes up, and then the knife was thrown in the lake. We never found the knife. Detectives arrest Moochie within hours. He was nervous. He trusted these girls, Natalie and Emily, and they give him up. Backed into a corner, Moochie quickly cracks. But what he says stuns investigators. He told me Nina Bolton had come to him, uh, promised him uh, some large sum of money uh, if, if he would conspire with her to kill Mr. Ward. Coming up, a calculated plot emerges. There was a lot of assets there to be gained by him dying. She used a tool, like a tire tool, to cut the window screen. It was premeditated. She was planning this murder for quite some time. She is probably the most evil woman that I know of, personally. Seven-year-old convicted felon Moochie Smith has just claimed that Nina Bolton hired him to kill her grandfather, 83-year-old Ralph Ward. She was under the impression that there was some land and mineral rights and oil money and, and, and property and vast amounts of family wealth somehow or another that she was going to have access to on the event of Mr. Ward's death. 
she said she would collect a large inheritance and she would give Moochie a million dollars. There was a lot of assets there to be gained by him dying. Investigators quickly learned that Moochie and Nina had a close connection. Moochie was living next door to Nina, and one thing led to another, and they, they started a, a romantic affair. And according to Moochie, Ralph didn't approve. Moochie was a convicted felon. She was a convicted felon. They could not be in a relationship without somebody going back on a parole violation. Ralph had cut Nina's money off. I mean, not giving her money like he used to because he was upset with her. That's when Moochie says Nina came up with the idea of how to reinstate and even increase her cash flow. Nina Bolton had set this up with Moochie to kill her grandfather. On the night of June 15th, Moochie says he and Nina set their plan into motion. While she had Ralph and Waldo, Moochie was gonna get inside the house, which Nina had already cut the window screen and unlocked the window for Moochie to get in. When Ralph returned home, Moochie was waiting. He attacks him, he hits him with an object, uh, an ashtray. He then attempts to stab him with, uh, with a knife he had retrieved from the kitchen, plunges a knife into him, causing his death. Moochie goes back to Nina's house and tells her everything's done. Then he calls Emily and Natalie to come pick up the clothes and get rid of them, and that's when he tells them what, you know, what he did. He gives this complete admission, we go get her. She is imminently to be arrested. Once in custody, Nina refuses to give a statement. She'd gone from being completely cooperative Oh, you've got to catch the person that did this. Oh, this is terrible. And the day after the murder, to being, I'm, I'm saying nothing. But as news of her arrest spreads, the residents of McNeil have plenty to say. Here it is. This woman's gone to prison for killing her, her estranged husband. And she gets out, and she's done it again. That right there is what, uh, boggles the mind. It boggles my mind for sure. Ralph Ward strongly defended her in the public with the first murder. And I think it's ironic and a very sad state, but, you know, he was her strongest defender. He was her grandfather. And then she winds up doing away with him also. This time, detectives and prosecutors are determined to put Nina away for good. But they need more than Moochie's statement to make the charges stick. In his confession, Moochie described a unique tool Nina used to cut the screen on Ralph's window. Moochie described this tool to the police as something and drew a diagram of it. Nina used a tool, like a tire tool, to cut the window screen to get it unlocked where Moochie could get in. They got a search warrant for her car, and when they opened the trunk, this tool was in the back of Nina's car. 
Then detectives get more evidence against Nina from an unlikely place, the Arkansas Department of Corrections. Tanya West was a was a uh, an informant, someone who had been locked up for a time with Nina, and gave us some pretty solid information about Nina's plans to do exactly what she did. She told her specific details that no one else would have known because things weren't released at that point. Um, so that was how the police verified it was true. As the evidence piles up against her, Nina begins to feel the heat. In April 2007, 10 months after Ralph Ward's death, Nina's attorneys inform prosecutors that the 51-year-old is ready to plead guilty. She pled guilty to first-degree murder, and she was sentenced to 25 years. Moochie was found guilty of the murder and the burglary, and he was given 25 years for the murder and 20 years for the burglary. While Nina's family stood behind her after Larry's murder, they find her second murder conviction harder to swallow. My mother killed two men that took care of her, stayed with her while she was sick, took care of her when she had nothing, and she repaid them by killing them. I don't have a mother anymore. I honestly did not know who my mother was. And I've nothing else to say. Nina is evil. Probably the most evil woman that I know of. Personally, I can't understand. I can't wrap my head around it. For someone to kill a loved one, let alone your grandfather, I just can't wrap my head around that one. I mean, who else would do that but with somebody who's nothing but pure evil? Just evil. In exchange for their cooperation with police, Natalie Hutchison and Emily Vaughn were never charged in connection to Ralph Ward's murder. Nina Bolton will be eligible for parole in 2036. She will be 81 years old. For more information on Snapped, go to Oxygen.com. The wait is over. So far, you're not losing. The only thing you're losing is my patience. Quickly, I see that. Ding! The queen of the courtroom is back. I didn't do anything. You wouldn't know the truth if it came up and slapped you in the face. I see he's not intimidated by anything. I can fix that. New cases. She wanted to fight me. Leave her alone. OK, so um... not this is not a so. This is a period. Classic Judy. Did you sleep with her? Yes, Your Honor. You married his cousin. His brother. That's not him. Yes, ma'am. I would make a beeline for the door. The Emmy Award-winning series returns. How did I know that? I have crystal ball in my head. It's an all-new season. It's streaming. You can say anything. <laughs> Judy Justice, only on Freebie.